are listening to Sermons by the Park from Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts. This is Pastor Aaron Shepard, and I was away for a couple weeks at the beginning of January, but there was some excellent preaching while I was gone, and I'm happy to share those messages with you. The first comes to us from the Reverend Amy Fowler, who visited and was our guest preacher on January 7th. from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is the visit of the wise men. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is this child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, He was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. For the second reading, we had a transposition of numerals. So it's actually from Mark 1, verses 4 through 11, rather than from Mark 4. Hear the word of God. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside And all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens 
torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. I was doing a little time travel this morning as I was driving. Um, I, as a Presbyterian pastor and then as a Presbytery executive, served in a lot of different places, some of which were very snowy. Uh, And what I was remembering um, first was a decade in Rochester, New York, in which I was the Presbytery executive, so I had to drive all over five counties. Uh, and, and this for Rochester is not really a storm. This is what happens pretty much every day in the winter. But then I was remembering Chicago. And when we first moved there, I was actually working for the Presbytery working with a new church development that hadn't gelled. And the place where they were was 45 miles north of where I was living. So every Sunday morning, I would hop in the minivan and drive 45 miles. And they met in a school, and it was cold, and they had metal folding chairs just so you get the ambiance. The first, well, actually, every Sunday in January was below 10 degrees, and it snowed. So, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) My son who lived through all of this as a child, is a deacon at the uh, United Church of Christ in uh, Holliston. He's a senior deacon, and he decided that they would not have church today, which amused me. He lives a mile from his church. They're not having church. Oh, well. It's a different generation. I've been watching a lot of sports. And I've been seeing some commercials during mostly football, I think, that caught my attention in a particular way. It's the campaign, He Gets Us. Have you seen it? These are commercials about Jesus. And they caught my attention right away. Now, as a preacher, my first question was, whose commercials are these? They're obviously expensive. They're very eye-catching. They're going to be happening during the Super Bowl. So we're talking big money. And so I did a little research. I thought, where is this big money about Jesus coming from? 
And though some of the funding is anonymous, there are some prominent evangelical voices behind these ads. It's a group of people who have become worried about the fractious climate among those who call themselves Christian. The tone of the debate is giving Jesus a bad name. I once had a pastor who told her church that they were giving Jesus a bad name. As the Presbytery executive, it was my job to go work with that situation. <laughs> but you can see how you know, so many people have no particular affili faith affiliation these days. Many of our children and grandchildren at large really don't know much about who Jesus is. And so they look at us Christians and the things we are doing to each other and saying to each other, and they think, why on earth would I want to have anything to do with that? So the goal of these commercials, he gets us, is to present the truth of Jesus Christ in a way that is free from the baggage of the church. It's Jesus without the church. Now, I'm not sure how likely that's going to be to succeed, uh, because, of course, Jesus created the church, and his followers did. And then there was some iron, there's irony here because some of the funders include those who would deny their employees full health care coverage based on their own faith. They will not cover women's health fully. Hmm. He gets us. I keep waiting for the follow-up. And I invite you to stay tuned because there are more coming for the Super Bowl. But they're interesting. He gets us and, and was a refugee. That's one of the ones I've seen. We have lots of news about refugees right now. And you see, that's going to be the next part of Matthew's story the long walk of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph to Egypt to be safe from Herod's slaughter of children in Bethlehem. I keep waiting for the follow-up about how, the, how actions will follow these epiphanies and today is, well, yesterday was Epiphany, um, about who Jesus is and why it matters. Who Jesus was, who Jesus Christ is, and why it matters. So that was my first reaction. My second reaction is formed by being steeped in the Reformed tradition teaching and preaching since my baptism in 1955. That's been a good long time. He gets us, 
Yes. He loves us as we are. Yes. And he loves us too much to want us to stay that way. That's my good Calvinist (laughs) background. As I thought about it, he gets us and he hopes for better. He gets us. He bathes us in the baptismal waters of forgiveness and grace. And he bathes us with a yearning for justice and righteousness that will not let us go. He gets us and hopes for better. This is a a hinge Sunday in the Christian year. Yesterday was Epiphany, the 12th day of Christmas. The unveiling of the identity of Jesus the Christ beyond Jews. And so we heard the story of the wise ones who come and recognize Jesus as king of the Jews. They themselves, no matter what we sing, were not kings, but were scholars studying the stars. As Garrison Keillor once put it in one of his stories, they were the assistant wise man, the associate wise man, and the chair of the wisdom department (laughs) of an Eastern University. They are empiricists. They follow the star, and when they encounter Jesus, they fall to their knees and they worship him. Even though worship was not the purpose of the grant. And they are wise enough not to return to Herod, but to go home by another way. Having made their discovery, their lives will never be the same. Our lives will never be the same. This year, in particular, Epiphany, the 12th day of Christmas, is so closely followed today by the day on which we celebrate the baptism of the adult Jesus, which is the beginning of his public ministry. Mark's gospel begins right here. It is chapter 1. There is no birth narrative, no stories about Jesus as a, a child. Baptism is the rebirth of Jesus as God's child. God's beloved. And there we begin the gospel story in Mark. John the baptizer, a distant cousin of Jesus, appears in the wilderness preaching a gospel of repentance. Repentance, a turning around, a change of heart, a change of life. The visible sign for this change is baptism, immersion, which was typically reserved for Gentile converts to the Jewish faith. 
It was an all-encompassing bath, literally a fresh start. But John, interestingly enough, says, no, this is not just for Gentiles. This is for Jews as well. We all require conversion, transformation, a new day, a new time is at hand. Change your hearts and minds. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Why? Because God is coming near. And people throng to John. And Jesus gets in line with the rest of them. And I like to think with the rest of us. He comes alongside us to the point of joining in a ritual of repentance and renewal. Humility. Solidarity. Not looking down on others, but joining them in line. He gets us. And he hopes for better. He shows us a way of life. As a refugee, choosing to spend time with the people on the fringes and true outcasts, healing, teaching, transforming lives. Today begins the journey of his public ministry. This year, Lent is just around the corner, so we have a few short weeks before we, we get there. A period of time in which we can study and allow ourselves to be transformed by these early stories of his public ministry. In that way, we can get him. And become evidence of his transforming power in our own lives. We can be part of his better hope. Now that sounds like a tall order. It could be that there are big, flashy things to do. But most of us here, I don't think, are people given to big, flashy actions. I could be wrong. It's good to think about starting with small epiphanies. I found a poem this week by the Reverend Sarah Speed of Sanctified Arts. This is a section of her poem called There is Room. We can't calm every storm, but we can turn on the porch lights. We can add chairs to the table. 
we can keep clean sheets on the guest bed just in case. We can hold the elevator and learn pronouns. We can tell stories of belonging and take turns listening. Jesus said, the one who is faithful in a little is faithful also in much. He gets us. He hopes for better. May it be so. Thank you for listening. I hope that today's message has blessed you. It was a blessing for us to share it with you. And I hope that you'll continue to listen along with us at Sermons by the Park. You can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Union Congregational Church, please do visit churchbythepark.org or find us on Facebook. Just search at Church by the Park. Our theme music today was Morning Dove by Zachariah Hickman. Now may God's grace and peace be with you.